You are listening to Executive Chess, podcast number three, Finding Answers. Welcome to Executive Chess with your host, Peter Klein. When you hear the word executive, you may think about somebody in power, senior management, a big corporation. But what I want you to do is think of the adjective executive as someone who has the power to put a plan or course of action into effect. And so we set out to embolden all of us to put a plan or course of action into effect, whether it be over a chessboard, in a business, or in life. At its most fundamental level in a chess game, we are looking for a particular move. We are looking to solve a problem. We are making choices. We have to pick a move. There's an opponent staring back at us across the chessboard going, all right, it's your turn. Let's move. Let's go. Uh, Anytime today, maybe to some different degrees. But we are looking for possible moves, and we have to choose among them. At its most basic level, we are having to solve a problem. We are looking for answers. In fact, in a big picture, one could say we're all looking for answers. We are all looking for some kind of truth, some kind of problem to be solved. There are choices that are made on a small micro level day to day and on a macro level over large periods of time. Every business is making decisions on a daily basis. They are making decisions, making choices based on what they do, and they're making choices on what they don't do. That service they provide or that service that they fail to provide. That Uh, product lines that they get into and the product line that they avoid, the stores that they uh, keep open and put more capital into and the stores that they close. Decisions are made from a small uh, level with one employee and they're made on a corporate-wide level with new policies or plans. The choices, the decisions that are made come from the problems that need to be solved and solutions for those problems are this never-ending quest for answers, both big and small. And so this has me thinking about who also looks for answers. How do we find uh, solutions for a problem? Or in the bigger picture, how do we find the answers to the universe, if you will, to our day-to-day life? The universe, the size of the cosmos, perhaps my own individual universe, any one person's sphere of influence, if you will. Now, one of the interesting things about a chess game is that each of our chess pieces is to a degree an archetype, right? We have pawns representing uh, guards, infantry, uh, line units of an army. We have knights on horseback representing the cavalry. We have bishops, we have rooks, And we have the king and queen. And they all are symbolic of a particular member of the army. And and in fact, chess comes from a word which means four members of the kingdom or four members of the army. And those have changed over time. Going back to the historical roots, uh, it was the infantry guard, cavalry on horseback. Uh, It was an elephant and it was a chariot. Uh, as chess traveled to Europe about a thousand years ago and was changed to its current pieces, uh, it of course became a bishop, which 
can largely be thought of as an archetype like archers. And it was changed to a rook, which is best thought of as a catapult or a trebuchet and into modern times like a cannon or artillery, if you will. Now, perhaps I'm enough of a chess geek that I find this interesting, but the important part is that they're all archetypes and they move in a certain way and they are uh, helpful in knowing their power, the way they move, their influence over the board, and their limitations. So one of the archetypes that can be found in searching for answers is the scientific method. And within it, one of the people that I listen to in podcasts and find very interesting, very exciting, brings it to life in a dramatic way, is Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I am a big fan because in his discussion of scientific method and the cosmos is this passion for the truth, for answers. And you really can't get much larger than the cosmos or truth, if you will, with capital T, answers with a capital A. One might even argue that it is the search for the truth, for the answer in the big picture. The scientific method has this mechanism which tests out new hypotheses, uh, creates new theories, and they are published, established as an answer to a particular phenomenon, a truth, if you will, and then over time, it is retested and reanalyzed, understood further, and essentially comes to a point which scientists refer to as an objective truth. And so any person's uh, search for finding answers, this could kind of be set as an archetype of the highest order, if you will. And it certainly plays out when we talk about something as large scale as uh, astrophysics or macroeconomics on a global basis. Something very large where we're looking for uh, biggest picture over a considerable amount of time. Now, the second archetype that I want to include is somebody that I watch and listen to and enjoy, uh, Adam Savage of Tested, and of course, of Mythbuster fame. Now, what I would suggest to you is that this archetype represents a model maker, a designer, an inventor, uh, a carpenter, or a skill person, if you will, and their search for answers, their problem solving, if you will, by the very nature of their problems, are dramatically different than the cosmos. If we look at something like creating special effects or designing props for some sort of production, certainly the problems that arise and the solutions that have to be found are of a different variety than... Uh, macro level. And often a solution that's found, an answer that is reached, is because it works. It simply works in that space for that particular problem that needs to be solved. In fact, anyone that's done any carpentry, done any metalwork, done any craft in general, there is a level of 
creating something that works. Is it the best way to do it? Is it the best possible material to use? Is the way that it's crafted uh, with such precision or such a high level that very few people could duplicate it? Is it particularly uh, the answer? Not necessarily. But it is the answer for us. It is the answer for them in that case in that situation because it gets the job done. It gets across visually what it is. It serves the function of what it needs to do. And it looks aesthetically pleasing in a creative process that is a work of craftsmanship. The woodworker is not setting out to define this is how a handcrafted box should be created in the 21st century. He is not saying that this particular wood or materials in general are better than all others. He is not defining the state of the field. He is simply creating something which is a vision of what he sees as being beautiful. And so now we have this bandwidth somewhere between the scientific uh, method that is looking for uh, the answer, if you will, and the designer or model maker that is looking for an answer. And most everything that we do falls somewhere in between. And of course, like most everything in the world, um, archetypes are just that. A piece on a chessboard symbolizes a particular member of the group. It is not a real-life flesh and blood, if you will. The scientist, whether he's a chemist or an astrophysics, still has to make plenty of practical decisions based on a solution that works best as can be identified. The designer, inventor, model maker still is searching for the right materials which have the property that uh, gives the greatest chance of success and to hone their craft in an approach that has a scientific method aspect to it that uh, tests out something new and uh, seeks to improve it. So at the risk of seeing people or groups as one dimension or flat, let's set aside the exception or the dynamic characteristics of these particular individuals in order to look at the principle, if you will. One of the things that I discover all the time with young chess students is this idea of searching for exceptions and that whatever rule is presented is discussed the immediate thing that many people do is to say, well, that's not true. Here's when there is an exception and it's not the case. And my counsel back has always been, you're missing the point that here's a larger guiding idea that is common and can be understood and used and evaluated and empowers us. Is it a universal characteristic? No. Is it a global truth? Uh, perhaps not. But again, is it useful? 
it is useful to recognize characteristics of two archetypes uh, between our scientific method, highest level search for truth, and the practical model maker designer uh, approach of finding solutions to problems. For the emboldened executive of a course of action, we need to have the power to solve problems both on a small scale by finding solutions that work within that context with the resources given in the time that makes sense and a larger push, if you will, or ambition or approach that involves the scientific method, that involves a substantial level of skepticism, that involves overall trying to get a trend line to a in the right direction over a greater period of time. In a chess game, particularly in the middle parts of it, we have this given position where we have to solve problems of where it sits and recognize the uh, threats that our opponent has, uh, the bad pieces that perhaps are trapped, that don't fit in well with working with the other pieces, and short-term structural problems that we see. And we have to rec- uh, we have to fit that with where we want strategically long term, and we see the game going. A business is really searching for solutions, searching for answers in the short term on a day-to-day basis, but also what are quarterly numbers, what are annual results, what is the state of their employees, the state of the marketplace, the state of the industry, and where do they see it in five to 10 years? Um, One of the famous differences between uh, certain types of companies in certain industries is their idea of what they need as a strategic approach uh, can be dramatically different between, say, in an in a field or in a culture where five years is a long time trend line versus other industries where uh, technology changes don't happen that quickly and or just the approach in general is what is the company going to look like in 50 years? And so our strategic uh, search for answers, if you will, on a long-term basis Uh, answers with a capital A for that entity uh, is a much longer uh, approach and will change uh, our uh, method, if you will. We as individuals often get locked into answers with a small a that solve our problem right now and yet in the long term doesn't take us any further along our course of action. Sometimes this is problem based on putting out fires and the average uh, family today, if you will, has enough resources in order to meet obligations for very short periods of time. 
And so I can't look any larger because I am so filled with looking at the crisis of the day, of the problems that need to be addressed and solutions that need to be found in the next coming weeks or months. But little attention paid to answers with a capital A in the big picture means that chances of a strategy being in effect and being useful uh, is diminished. And a overall trend line going up, overall improvement is difficult. One of the biggest challenges that we find too, solving problems and finding answers is the challenge of asking the right questions. In the short term for a scientific approach, when a hypothesis is created, it begs the question as to whether it is relevant or what the nature of its connection to uh, the area of focus. And in testing it, have we asked the right questions? Are we testing for the right things by those questions that we asked? Regardless of the actual method, is the underlying premise for our scientific method useful? There is an important phenomenon in tournament chess where you get done playing an important game and you go to look at it, you go to discuss it with others, and you sit down to uh, analyze it in depth with much stronger players. And you're talking about the things that you experience in the course of it and what you're looking for and the problems that you see and the solutions that you came up with and your stronger uh, colleagues, if you will, raise certain ideas that says uh, something bigger is going on. And you think to yourself, I didn't even consider that. What, 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 what in the world is, right? And you, to a degree, you're, you're a little bit lost. You're a little bit of a, uh, had a flashback there. Uh, you are searching for what they're talking about to a degree, but you hadn't considered it and it hadn't fit into your thinking about the problem. Uh, the most common problem or variation of this I've seen for younger chess players is when they're describing to me what's going on in another part of the board and what the constraints of it is, what problem in general, what limitations or what... Uh, you know, weaknesses are found and they're giving me solutions to this problem. And in the back of my mind, and as soon as I get to interject, I point out the fact that there's a checkmate that they're facing in three moves. And that's nice over here. You're about to lose the game. <laughs> and you didn't see that. It's nice to talk about my queenside attack and the power of the strength of these position over here, but you don't have king safety. And so we're not asking the right questions. We are not addressing the right problem. 
Uh, we could probably go on for long periods of time talking about self-help ideas and people not addressing their own individual problems and recognizing another problem going on over there. Uh, but of course, this is fairly common in companies of all varieties where they're doing a fair number of things well, but the things that they're not, the problem that they're not seeing is not is substantial and may in fact be holding them back. And so fact in fact we're not asking the right questions often when we're looking for an answer. We're not looking for the right answers in a chess game. We are not asking the right questions in perhaps the right way, taking into account the right factors. And this is going to dramatically impede our ability to find answers. Because if the question is wrong, the answers that are created, the solutions are, to a degree, can be thought of as an illusion. They are not really the answer when, in fact, it is a different problem. A different question needed to be asked. This illusion from asking the wrong question becomes a barrier or a distraction from a, us finding answers because A, we think we have a solution, and B, it is only in the discovery or analysis of the results from uh, posing those questions that the solutions we find are ineffective or inappropriate or at least off the mark. Just like in the scientific method, the inventor, designer, model maker can take uh, knowledge gained from a particular creation, if you will, treating it a bit like an experiment and saying what materials worked well, uh, what approaches, what skill, what tool that we use in order to make that could I do differently. An artist could take a look at a painting, a piece of any variety, and say, what do, what effects do I like here? What comes off as pleasing or engaging? What effects, what parts of this particular image that I created or sculpture, uh, this piece, uh, needs to be changed, which leaves the viewer flat or disengaged or put off? what uh, disrupts them or um, challenges them. Um, this analysis of it using the same sort of ideas that we get from the scientific method, if you will, can lead to improvement by asking a different, different questions and searching for solutions for answers to them that propel our long-term growth. So somewhere between these two benchmarks of the larger scientific method and the practical designer inventor approach um, is found this sweet spot, if you will, of a balance between the two and an inclusion of both, if you will. And therefore, the solutions that are reached, the answers that are found for an individual, for a company, for a chess player, for anyone who is essentially 
a in economics the term is a price taker anyone that is operating within that environment but doesn't set the environment doesn't control anything the answers that they find are uh become their answers become useful become uh, a way of operating within it that allows them to be successful and it's their answers becoming their truth. So one of the splitting off points from a scientific method of larger uh, scope, if you will, is this idea of the truth and the way to do things. And one of the questions that we get wrong, one of the searches that takes us away from certainly productivity, but enabling us to execute a course of action is this search that it has to be uh, right. It has to be 100%. It has to be the truth. There's one truth in the universe, and this is the way of doing things. An analogy to this principle was found in the quote by Voltaire that perfection is the enemy of the good. And what I will suggest to you is that for the more practical individual operating in a system, in a large degree of fields, with different ways that you have to talk and behave and interact with many different people, where a scientific method is not practical, you can't run a test and say, this is how I'm going to do this with these people in this way and then measure gather data and then change the approach to test out another hypothesis we have to um, as one of my favorite sayings says is we have to change the tire on the car while the car is moving and so i find this a very interesting topic because a fair number of people take the scientific method at a very sort of personal level as being staunch defenders and yet um, we also have to be practical in the idea of getting things done a modern variation of voltaire would be that perfection is the enemy of progress in one variation of the model maker or designer, a piece is needed with a strict timeline and often with a very small budget. And therefore, the very practical uh, results constrain the process or uh, solutions to our problem. And enough of these circumstances put together, we come to solutions to problems that become our answers and become our approach, our method, our way of affecting change in a small micro level around us in our world that essentially becomes our collection, our group of answers that becomes our truth. As model makers and designers come together and share ideas and compare notes, then individual solutions to problems and answers that are discovered can be combined, compared, and altered into such a way that it forms a skill set that has 
uh, a very universal solution um, with some adjustments by individual members, but that raises to something that might be considered a universal answer or a universal truth in the approach to accomplish something. The critical understanding for any executive endeavoring to put a course of action into effect is that all of us are craftsmen and artisans and scientists that have a blend, have a mixture of both a strict scientific method and a practical uh, solution-based approach. If enough of our actions become our behavior and our behavior shapes who we are as a person, then those actions based on the decisions that we make and solutions that we reach uh, become our truth. For a chess player who makes certain decisions that have a negative result are poor in the factors in their assessment of the problems that result in losses, we in fact may say that they are a poor or a weak chess player. But the real trick here is that the decisions that are being made and the problems that are seen are seen in a clear way with an effort towards solving that problem with solutions that produce a better result. To sharpen that skill, we need to ask the right questions. We need to search for answers, both big and small, both wide and uh, narrow, both near and far, if you will. Our search for answers is a key component of a natural inquisitiveness, a wonder about the mechanisms of what we do. And it therefore gets folded into our truth and that truth being dynamic and fluid and open to the rest of the world. It is very easy to get lost in uh paths that are off of a scientific method or a craftsman approach to solving a problem in the uh, rigidity, if you will, of a person's truth. I, in fact, knew a chess student who had this philosophy that this is the way that I've played chess and this is what I've always done with it and therefore my identity is locked into playing with uh, just pawns, and therefore I can't move off of that. It is easy to take this idea of each person having uh, or entity having their own truth to an extreme level where it is isolated from the context of what's going on around them. And so locked into a heritage or a tradition that they stop paying attention to what questions are being asked and what problems exist and how do we solve them. You know, the extreme case of where someone is a conspiracy theorist uh, and may lock them into believing 
certain uh, answers to larger phenomenon that says, uh, here's what I believe, and and therefore this is part of my truth. Now, as, as uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson has pointed out, you, you can't really reason with someone who has reached an opinion based on uh, no reason. Um, and the real hardship in it is that they have locked on to a certain path. And it's to a degree a cautionary tale that all of us who are searching for answers, uh, even of a micro personal sort of level to solve problems, must couple that with a ability to not only be a skeptic, but to search for the right questions to ask and for it to change and evolve and adapt in the solutions that we find. Not only are solutions changing because uh, our society, our culture, our overall knowledge level is increasing, but technology changes and new discoveries are found and not feeding into the people who are doing this same sort of work to challenge ourselves to find something that is perhaps a better way, a better raw material, a more efficient tool is just shortchanging one of our opportunities. So the solutions that I find to the problems that I have experienced and the answers that have arisen become my truth at this point in time. But they don't define uh, as to what kind of answers are out there and available and what kind of truth I could project or rise to in the future. The way that a local restaurant does business, the way that they treat their customers, the approach that they take in advertising to the marketplace, to hiring their employees, to providing a service and an experience when you get there, uh, sets who they are. It is their truth. That particular fast food place is not a four-star restaurant. It is, you know who they are and you know what they do. But it doesn't necessarily define who they are or where they're going long-term. Certainly very, very fundamental to business 101 uh, cases like uh, Blockbuster or Netflix are extreme examples where the company that we saw 20 years ago is was not the company five years later and is certainly not the company even today. They had an identity, they have a brand, and that has changed over time. But what I will suggest to you is that a key part of that brand, at least at the points in time, is the way that they solve problems, that the way they address uh, the solutions that they come up with 
um, comes down to even the smallest level of what happens when one of my customers picks up a phone and calls looking for some sort of solution. How do I deal with that? In conclusion, we now have this useful range uh, between the rather strict high end of the scientific method and the more practical day-to-day basis of the maker designer that gives us a way to measure uh, the solutions that we find and the answers that we are looking for. And using this, we need to find some kind of balance in our own creation and the best features of each approach. Let the solutions to problems that you discover, let the different approaches in answering questions, in finding answers to the problems that we face, let it make you smarter. Let it wash over you and embolden you in a process that is feeds right into discovery and helps us along our journey. Thank you, and I appreciate hearing all of your shared experiences, whether you're a maker, a scientist, or a chess player. Take care. Thank you so much for listening in. Please check out my website at execcess.com or drop me a note at info at This has been Peter Klein with Exec Chess.